With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Life Happens Radio, your weekly radio program that brings you interesting ideas, information, and ways that we can cope with our current living environment and also to plan for our future and the future of our families. We talk about education educating our our youngsters, our college education. We have special guests on the show like Dr. Dean Scarless, who will be talking uh, in a few weeks about college and the new college environment, the new normal of virtual education. We also talk about planning for retirement, making sure that you have taken the steps necessary to put a solid retirement plan in place and build your foundation. And we talk about estate planning putting together wills and trusts and documents. I am Lou Piero, your host for this morning. The firm is Piero, Connor, and Strauss. We are the sponsors of Life Happens Radio. And very special guests with me this morning are two ladies who work with our firm who provide care and services to our clients who are looking to plan to age in place, looking to access the best care, if they need care in the home, to put a care plan together, and in certain cases where you need transitions to find the best fit for an assisted living facility, a nursing home. And we're going to talk this morning about how we should be thinking about getting care and coping with care today, and also what should we be looking at with regard to planning for the future. And there is a Times Union article, and I do read the Times Union faithfully, and there is an article in today's TU that really highlights some of the issues that our clients are facing, and I know that uh, our guests' clients are facing as well, and that is if you do have an aging loved one, if you have a family member who is in a facility who, who can't get back home, is in the hospital, nursing home, rehabilitation, assisted living, how do you keep them safe? And what can you do as a family, as as an individual, to help your loved ones who are now in this situation? And unfortunately, it, it looks, although New York is doing remarkably well in terms of flattening the curve and keeping the number of new coronavirus cases down, uh, you, you're a mushroom if you haven't heard or watched the reports to say that the rest of the company is spiking, country rather. And as the rest of the country spikes, we can anticipate that sooner or later, we'll have a second wave. And so we need to stay vigilant. We need to wear our masks. We need to stay prepared. And when we, when it's time to get care and coordinate care, we need to know where to find the right help. And so I'd like to introduce you right now to our guest, Susan Vale who is a social worker and a life care coordinator, and she works with Piero Connor and Strauss and also with a company called Everhome, which we'll talk a little bit about, and Nora Barato, also a social worker, also a life care coordinator. And Nora and Susan have an extensive background caring for people, both in facility institutional settings, but more importantly, getting them back home safely and getting a plan of care in place that can take care of them. So, Susan and Nora, good morning. Good morning, Lo. And uh, I know that we're all looking at this article. It's just this morning, but the article from the Times Union is New York lawmakers call for greater nursing home oversight in the wake of the COVID-19 crisis. You deal with people and families every day who are in this, this just un, 
unsolvable riddle of long-term care right now, trying to get the best care possible but not getting any communication and trying to jump over these hurdles. Who wants to jump in first and talk a little bit about what the real experience has been on the ground for your clients who are in nursing homes? Nora, do you want me to take that? You, you can take that. So, Okay. I just do want to step on toes. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's been interesting. Um, we've had a couple of clients where they needed the care in an institutionalized setting in a nursing home facility or what's also considered a skilled nursing facility. And it was difficult for families. Um, there were barriers such as as the COVID-19 um, pandemic started to present itself, what were the policies going to be? What were going to be the tests, the the steps needed to take to ensure our client's safety as well as the safety of the nursing home and the other existing residents there. And what are the other steps you need to take? Um, and it took us a bit. It, um, we did have to have patience, but we were able to navigate through that. And I can say successfully, um, this individual was able to be placed in a skilled nursing facility, nursing home, which was the mo at this time is the most appropriate level of care for that individual. Um, but it, it does take patience. Um, there are steps that are normally in place that people need to do, and sometimes that can be very difficult to navigate, to understand why things need to be done or what needs to be done. And that's why often many of our clients at the law firm turn to a life care coordinator to help navigate through that, um, to help even navigate when their loved one's in a hospital and needs um, temporary skilled nursing in a rehab center. So it those are some of the barriers. Some of them mm -hmm. are needing to make sure those certain steps are met, but to understand the process, that, that's the biggest barrier that a lot of our families face. And, Nora, the article in today's Times Union talks about staffing shortages, infection control, and, and shortcomings in the current nursing homes that we have available to us. Um, I know we've experienced some of that with our own clients. What are you seeing out there in the field? Well, basically what I'm seeing in the healthcare environment, hospital and nursing home environment, is overall um, I think, you know, the crisis is, you know, they're not nimble systems. So, you know, initially there was a real issue with getting um, PPE and then they – you know, quickly shut down and didn't allow visitors, and it was a sudden cutoff. And, you know, a lot of people had to understand that, you know, the facilities are in crisis and they're, they're trying to get um, aligned and that the communication virtually isn't, um, you know, they're, they're trying to tend to the crisis at hand. Um, and, you know, I think that we had to help families understand that that, you know, um, maybe calling the nursing unit isn't the best way to go, but perhaps going through the social work department because the social workers are um, advocates for uh, the patients as well and working with them on a communication plan. And, uh, you know, I can say the impact on a lot of older adults in those facilities is they don't truly understand this whole notion of a pandemic and um, the biggest thing that I've seen is that I've had to call staff and ask them to, to please explain again that, that it's not anything that that individual isn't doing because they didn't understand why family wasn't visiting. So there's a whole lot of advocacy that needed to happen, but I've got to give hats off to some of the facilities. What they've done is a newsletter, um, and we're getting it out to the families and people that are most important, so they knew what was going on. Some facilities established a hotline number. Um, 
but the, which the is all great. dress and on caregivers good. of not knowing yeah. what to do, should I take them out, should I keep them there, um, we've had to work through those situations with uh, clients. And we're going to talk a lot more about that transition planning. Um, and, and people, it used to be that the transition was, okay, we've been taking care of mom and dad at home. They just can't stay at home anymore. The plan is not adequate. So now we're looking at placing them in a facility. Well, here we are reverse engineering that. Mom and dad are in the facility. Now we want to get them out because we can't communicate with them. We can't talk to them. Uh, the, the number of people who contracted the coronavirus in the facilities and the number of people who died is, is strikingly high. And there are many, many reasons for that. But we're, we're bringing people out of these situations. And Susan, just talk a little bit about the background that you had, because you, you kind of cut your teeth, if you will, in this field in the rehabilitation arena, which is really the same thing, looking to get people better and get them out of the facility. Yes. Um, I was able, um, prior to joining the law firm, I worked as a social worker uh, on an acute rehabilitation unit and prior to that to a specialized subacute rehabilitation. And it's, it's a whole different world and mindset. Um, of course, the staff want to make sure the needs are met for the, their um, residents, um, whether they're temporary or long-term. But it's very focused on goals. Your goal is to go home. Okay, there are certain time frames. And a lot of what our families face now is how Nora and I help is to understand that mom, dad, a loved one may have had a life-altering situation that requires them to be hospitalized now in a rehabilitation center. The insurance company often will have guidelines or dictate certain time frames that somebody needs to be making goals by or the rehabilitation should be progressing. And the issue is sometimes our bodies don't follow that. Um, you can have one person who, I'll just use an example, a hip replacement, and in the bed next to them is another hip replacement, and their care plan with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply is vastly different and their time frames very different because they're different things, different other medical conditions they face. And what we what we were doing in the rehab is we were moving them along the continuum to be able to navigate through and then go on to the next phase, which would be possibly home, possibly an assisted living, possibly home with additional private care or in some cases, it had to be a skilled nursing facility. And coming forward to where we are now and now being on not in a rehab setting and help navigating through this, 
Um, I'm able to take those experiences and the experiences the families and the clients shared with me so that I can make our clients, our uh, families journey through this a little bit easier. It, it won't be foolproof. It, there won't be bumps in the road, but we'll, we're there with them every step of the way. And that advocacy with a, to a family that is going through this emotional roller coaster, because when you have a loved one who becomes ill, maybe they go to the hospital, maybe you're trying to just bring care into the home, or you're looking for the right place for them, there are so many overriding emotional issues. It's, it's your parent in many cases, your mother, your father, your loved one, your grandparent, and the families are, as I was with my mom when I was a caregiver, they're just in a dark tunnel, and you'd never see light at the end of that tunnel, but we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how care coordination and, and how an advocate can bring you through that tunnel and get you to the other side, out into the light, so you can have good communication, you can have the right care, you can monitor that care properly. And ideally, we want to be at home. Our clients want to be at home. 99.9% .9 of them would prefer to age in place. Is it possible? How do you get care? How do you make that plan work? And ultimately, how do you pay for it? We're going to tackle all that during the rest of the show. So stay with us. Again, I'm Lou Pirro. You're listening to Life Happens Radio on Talk Radio WGY, 810 AM, 103.1 FM. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to Life Happens Radio. I'm Luke Zero, your host for this morning. We have two very special guests with us, Susan Bale and Nora Barato, both of whom are life care coordinators. And we've been talking about how do we care for our aging loved ones? How do we make sure they are getting the right care? The plan of care is everything it should be, that we can monitor it appropriately, and ultimately that we can afford it and pay for the care that they need. And Nora, you've grown up in the hospital setting, um, and at the hospital you were in charge of, at one point, discharge planning, and at another point you were tasked with creating a care management organization. Um, why was that seen as necessary by the hospital, and, and how did that pan out? Well, originally, um, I go way back. I'm a seasoned professional, I like to say. Um, but uh, back we are all in the well day, seasoned, like a good steak, yes. Like 30, 30 plus years of experience in care management, and um, what I found is that families and uh, caregivers don't know how to navigate and what's available for their loved one, and they don't access those services early on because of the lack of, of, of knowledge and the complexity of the system. Um, now, trying to figure out I know out that a lot of people I talk to, Nora, if I can just interrupt you there, they think that there's a system out there that's going to take care of all of their needs, that, you know, the patient is the most important person to the healthcare system, and that someone, doctor, hospital, uh, government agency, someone's going to make sure that this all happens and that it happens correctly. That is that the system we have? No, it's very uncoordinated. It is very fragmented, and there's a lot of um, systems that are broken. Um, and the biggest thing I see over the years is communication. So mm -hmm. back in the day, there used to be what they called alternate level of care um, units on the hospital. And when somebody, you know, was having trouble with their loved one, often what would happen is they would call the family physician and say, I can't c take care of mom anymore. She seems to be failing. And what would happen would um, be they would take them to the doctor's office, and if the doctor felt that the patient needed to go to the emergency room, they'd go to the emergency room, they'd be evaluated. And, you know, doctors would often say, well, you're not safe to be at home anymore. 
Um, and so they would wait on these alternate level of care units to um, be placed. And in my olden days, um, when I first started out, before I went to the hospital, um, I worked in a nursing home. And um, what I saw on the opposite end is that older people would come in, they'd give up their house, they'd give up their apartment, and the doctor would say that they needed to be there. Um, now, the doctor's not wrong. They did need to be there. But what I found is that within four and six weeks after therapy and that, they would get better. And then they would stay there because they didn't want to make yet another change. So when I went over and um, began working in the hospital setting, I started this um, care management program. And the goal is to keep them at home. And, and essentially what I did is built this program from the outside in, meaning I, didn't, I, I went out to the physician practices to say, what are your needs and, and, and what are you getting calls for? And invariably they were getting calls for um, you know, family members that were in crisis and or adult protective saying this person isn't safe to live at home. So and how long ago long was that, Nora? Short, if I can just ask. When when was all of that happening? How long? Ago? In the late um, the the early eighties and early eighties. Um, so, so keep you going. know what what happens is um, once we got the program going and we we um, got the uh, the. Uh, assessments done and that we quickly grew very rapidly because um, people could see that there was an outlet there in which they could get help before a crisis arose. So we were able to keep people out of um, nursing homes. We were able to keep people out of the hospital because that's the last place that people want to be. They want to be in their own homes, but unfortunately, they don't know how to access the services. And I, as I mentioned, I'm seasoned. I've been in the, the the um, the air uh, the healthcare field and aging field for over 30 years and not much has changed. It's even more complicated. Yeah, so I was going to ask, all that's going on back in the early 80s, almost 30 years ago. We must have progressed since then, and healthcare must be much better now at doing all of this, right? Well, uh, no, because then we added managed care, and now we have all kinds of, you know, different health care insurance plans and all kinds of um, different rules for different plans, and we have essentially made it much more difficult. And there is not um, a coordinated um, care. You have it within your health plans, but they don't provide the level of detail. It's a lot of times telephonic. In the hospital and the, and the nursing that I facilities, you have to move these families along and get them to the most appropriate setting. But you know they're under time constraints, so you know getting access and uh, the accessing a life care coordinator, and then now implementing and utilizing the technology, we're really and we've been even before the COVID pandemic, we've been using technology. So we're really um, set up to, to guide and advocate uh, families because we know the ins and outs of, of the care delivery system and the health care system. So for families and for our listeners, where the health care system fails, there are solutions that are now growing from a, both a care perspective, the whole movement of aging life care professionals, and we'll talk a little bit about that in the National Association, and also the technology that is now available to bridge this gap. And the COVID crisis has really brought this technology to the forefront. Telemedicine is one of the leading components of that, but there are many more aspects to it. And when we come back after the news, we're going to dig into what you can do as a family member, what you can do for yourself to prepare for the care that may be needed now or in the future. We'll be back right after the news. Welcome back to Life Happens Radio. I'm Hero, your host 
Dr. O'Connor and Strauss, and today we have two very special guests, and we're talking about a topic that is absolutely timely and essential, and that is how do we arrange care, get care, and pay for care for people who need it and want to stay at home, and also for people who maybe can't. How do we get to the next levels and make sure that we get the right fit? But we're going to focus with our two guests on how you can prepare yourself, and if you need care, how you can access it. And we have with us, so we're fortunate today to have with us Susan Vale and Nora Barato. And I just want to point you to a place where you can get more information. Uh, our website has a series of videos, and we've done videos on care planning and care management, and also on the Medicaid program, which is undergoing some substantial changes. So if you go to PiroLaw.com, the firm's website, again, P-I-E-R-R-O-L-A-W.com, PiroLaw.com, right on the homepage, you can find our most recent update on the Medicaid changes that are due to go into effect October 1st. And there's also an expanded 60-minute video on those same Medicaid changes that Nora participated in, along with Aaron Connor and myself. And talking about how to get care and pay for care. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need it. Uh, Nora, you were talking at the break about your experience having been in hospital medicine for 25 years and now out representing individuals and families the COVID crisis has had a very serious impact on hospitals, and the budgets of hospitals are being cut, unfortunately, because of the way that the economics have worked, no elective surgeries. The COVID crisis has really put a serious hurt on hospital finances. So what are you observing, Nora, in terms of the ability of the hospital systems and the healthcare systems to now take on these new challenges, is it something that's going to be feasible in the near future? Well, I think that there's, um, you know, significant um, budget crises. I think that it's really turned the healthcare system upside down in terms of how are we going to deliver care. Um, there's been furloughs and layoffs. And... Uh, you know, I think that um, there's going to be a significant look at, you know, how we can provide, you know, services. I don't think, I've always felt that, um, the, you know, the healthcare system is in crisis and what um, consumers, and I've always been an advocate of, is they need to really be proactive and, and look at what they're, they're doing and how they're going to care for their loved one and not depend on the health care system. Um, a lot of times um, they're in a crisis and, and that's how they get in the health care system. Um, but it's best if you can address those needs before a crisis arrives. And some of the, the primary care practices um, prior to COVID had 
care managers in place in the practice to help families and guide them. However, a lot of that has um, stopped or been put on hold um, because of the, you know, the budget crunches. So um, yes. that help isn't as available. So it's, again, very spotty and um, very frustrating for caregivers. And it falls back to the patient. And if the patient right. is left alone and they can't advocate for themselves, they're just a, an old piece of wood floating down the stream and heading toward the waterfall, and, and they're going to go in whatever direction the system takes them. One of the major changes in medicine, and, and this is just my own personal observation, but I've had a number of people, loved ones, friends, family, myself, go through the hospital systems, and it used to be that when you had a primary physician and you went into a hospital, that, that doctor may have had privileges at the hospital and could actually follow your course of care. Now, when you enter the hospital, you're basically cut off from your team back out in the community and you get a hospitalist and an intensivist and specialists within the hospital that now become primarily responsible for your care. But they don't really know who you are as a patient or a person. And to me, that is a major factor in the breakdown in that communication. Do you ladies see the same thing? Yes. Yes. I, I know I, I do. I can uh, say from a personal experience, um, my husband was um, uh, had to be hospitalized during this COVID. And, of course, you can't go in and be an advocate. Um, and, you know, I was getting different um, recommendations from different different providers, and uh, I ended up using um, telehealth to contact and, and, you know, get some direction. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that was uh, very good because it guided me. And, again, I'm seasoned, and I know how to navigate the system, but when you couldn't get to the people that you needed to get to, um, you really needed that guidance in a crisis. And there's where I think telehealth, um, and technology can really come into play because that's what families and caregivers need. They need answers when they have a crisis, and they need to know how to navigate. We had on our show a couple of months ago uh, Keith Algazine, who is the CEO of United Concierge Medicine, which is an emergency department-level care telemedicine company. Uh, Susan, you've had experience with with Keith and, and with what they're yes. doing. They are also have have been brought in by CDPHP and MVP. So they're they're becoming more and more mainstream. But tell us a little bit about Susan, the, the work that you're doing as VivaLinks and Everhome Care Advisors and how all of this technology now is fitting into the to the care of the people that you're working with. Absolutely. Um, many times um, as a care manager and even as families, we, we find the care and all of that. But a lot of the um, adult children or family members aren't local. And I'm not talking down the street. They're across the country. They're on the other side of the world. And how do they know what's going on? Um, they can't get any response from mom or they talk to mom or dad or a loved one and doesn't sound right. Something's just not right. And what the partnership of Everhome and VivaLinks can do is takes that care management to a whole nother level and envelops different levels of technology. And yes, I know I'll put the brakes on. Technology is scary. Many of my clients say, technology, shut the door. I'm done. I don't want to hear about it. I can't do this. But it's not that scary. Um, we were just talking about telemedicine and our work with United Concierge Medicine. And what it allows you to do is to be in your home and either via your iPad, your Android tablet, your smartphone, you can get ER-level physician care and triage to figure out, is this something that just needs a prescription called in? Is this something I need to go to urgent care? Is this something that they can triage and take care of via this telemedicine, or does it really need for me to go to the emergency room? Because the reality is when you go to the emergency room, 
you may be sitting around for a couple hours. I know when I personally yeah. broke a bone, <laughs> I went to the hospital, and because they knew me and I worked in the hospital, they literally said to me, we can bandage you up, I'll, I'm paraphrasing, and you can call and set it up because the orthopedics won't be available for five hours. And I'm like, oh, I'm not sticking around for five hours. Um, <laughs> I'll go. Yeah, and, um, and the last thing a family wants to do is call 911, get the ambulance mm-hmm. in, put put the elder on a gurney and take them to the hospital and have them sit in the hallway. And, and then are they going to be admitted to the hospital? Are they going to be put on observation status? What's going to happen? And what happens to the care team if they have care at home while they're in that hospital? So telemedicine, again, has really shot to the top of the charts based upon this COVID crisis and, and it has become a, a staple almost overnight in healthcare and, and something that is being utilized for our clients and for a number of people right here in the capital region and across the country. And UCM is a real success story uh, in terms of the, the growth through this COVID crisis and the value that it can bring to people in their own homes. You can have an emergency room doctor in your living room triaging that issue that you have and what they found, they did a study, a pilot program in Rensselaer County, and we had the Rensselaer County executive on with Mr. Algazine, and they talked about the impact that it had on the people of Rensselaer County where they, were, they reduced the hospital admissions by, according to their study, 97%, which is startling, just, just startling. So, Nora, when, when you're working with clients um, and this is just something that, at this moment in time, hospital systems, I just don't think, can, can take on because of the impact of the COVID crisis. But at this point in time, there are so many avenues for people to bring care into the home and to monitor it and manage it with technology. What else are you seeing, and how is it impacting your clients with this tech boom? Well, if I can give an example, um, you know, in terms of pre-COVID, um, you know, I have a client that, you know, is in the rural area and, uh, you know, has Alzheimer's. She put her own care team into place. And, um, you know, we started out with the video technology in which, you know, she wasn't always answering her phone and the caregiver who agreed to be a health care proxy but really had no experience um, kind of said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do it, I'll help you. Well, make a long story short, you know, she's deteriorated, but they were able to keep an eye on her and video in to, you know, make sure she was eating. And, and as her condition advanced, we um, got the automated the care plan so that the care providers in the home know what her routine is and what has to be done. And she's had blood pressure problems. And um, initially we ended up having to bring her to the hospital because she had this spell. And really there were, you know, changes in her blood pressure with movement and that. So the um, care team was all focused on um, what they needed to do and how they needed to monitor um, her blood pressure and that. And we brought that into her physician, and what they realized is that, you know, maybe they needed to adjust her medication. And she was doing beautiful for a long time, and then she had another spell. And, um, you know, what we were able to do is call the physician, avoid her going to the hospital, because that's the last thing she wanted to do. And um, knock on wood, she's been stable and hasn't had a hospitalization in over six months. So that early identification and using that technology to really um, keep people that are involved in her plan of care centered on what her needs are and to make those adjustments has really helped us. Now with COVID, we were able to put in place what they needed to do right away to make sure that she was protected, you know, hand washing, getting PPE. So we were able to maintain her and her caregivers in the home. So I think that um, 
that's what we want to do. And I think that, again, health systems are, there are so many different balls they have to keep in the air that, you know, they're, they're not able to meet that need as quickly as, you know, we could um, in using technology. So you, I think you can't you're going to see it in primary, primary care, um, and you're going to see a lot of technology companies, you know, cropping up all over the place. Right. And, and you can't replace that primary care physician. That's an, he's an essential, he or she is an essential part of this plan. And that primary care physician is a bit overloaded in terms of all the things that they're being asked to do. Then you've got the local hospital with the emergency room, and, and they don't necessarily want to see those same people over and over and over again who use the ER as primary care. So well, you're not replacing any of that, but you're, something you're supplementing the that. They don't want one more thing to, to monitor in that. So I think, you know, they need to look at um, how are they going to do that monitoring in that. And in this case with this particular client, um, initially the doctor was, oh, no, I'm not going to read that. And, you know, we gave him a summary. And uh, now he was asking for the summary. You know, um, so he's comfortable with it. Why? Because it's not, we're giving him the information. He doesn't have to go out and, and get it, and he doesn't have to do anything because they're really stretched, these, um, uh, you know, physicians and healthcare systems. So, Absolutely. again, it's kind of being out of the fray, but using people that know, as I always say, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go and do some, enter in a legal agreement without seeing an inexperienced lawyer that knows, you know, what you're getting into. We have to start taking mm -hmm. command of our own care for our loved ones and learning about it and saying how can we be our best advocate. And there's where I think we can separate ourselves in, in, from the health system and guide um, caregivers today. That's the guidance they so we need. need to... And I have to honestly say that... Um, you know, some of the caregivers are really, um, they, could, they could assist other people now because we've taught them how to, how to be um, consumer savvy and how to navigate the system. That's what's needed. So I have a, a few questions that, that I want to ask about how that technology works, but we have to take a short break first. Before we do, could you let our listeners know if they want to call you to talk about the services that you provide or get more information, how can they do that? They can contact us by calling 1-844-633-3852. Um, or email us at www.everhomecare.com. Oh, that's your website, www.everhomecare, yes. all one word? Yes. So www.everhomecare.com or give that 800 number out one more time. One eight four four six three 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 eight five two. Excellent. We're going to take a short break. I want to hear about how this technology works and how can you get this into a plan so that you can keep people safe, keep them at home where they want to be, and do it without the disruption of a caregiver. It really impacts your life. So these are tools for you. So we'll be back. You're listening to Life Happens Radio on Talk Radio WGY. Back after this short break. Welcome back to Life Happens Radio. We hope that you are prepared. We hope that every week at 11 a.m. on WGY you listen and get the information you need to prepare yourself for whatever life brings us. Um, and as like I, I always like to say, we're all just a banana peel away from having that health crisis, needing care, and, and we've all been through it with our own situations, our family members. How do you prepare yourself and how do you get care when you need it? We're very lucky to have with us two people who help families get care, coordinate it, and ultimately pay for it. We're not going to have time to get into the payment of the care today, 
But again, I do refer you to the videos. We've done two webinars on home care and how to pay for home care, Medicaid being the primary source other than your own finances. If you have long-term care insurance, that's another way to pay. So you can access that online education, the online video education on our website, which is pierolaw.com, P-I-E-R-R-O-L-A-W. It don't cost nothing. The webinars are free. We hope that you use them to educate yourself, to know what you're dealing with in the healthcare system. Nora gave us a great example of a case she's working on where, where a woman is at home being cared for, being monitored, being taken care of, and you talked about a whole host of technology solutions. I want to start, Nora, with you and then jump to Susan for one of the pieces of technology I know that she deals with. But you talked about a camera system and a, and a communication system. I know that when, when my parents were alive, we thought we did the greatest thing. We bought them a VCR. And this tells you how old that story is. We bought them a VCR. It was state-of-the-art technology. And the power goes out, and the VCR light starts flashing. And my dad calls me up and says, son, you know, you bought us this thing, but you know, it's, just, it's flashing and, and it's, just, it's very distracting. Can you come down and can you, can you turn that light off? So I had to drive an hour just to set the timer on the VCR because the power had gone off. And I had to do that probably 10 times. And it was something technology isn't <laughs> always user-friendly. But how did this person who's on her own with dementia, how did she navigate the technology? Well, she really, with her memory issues, she really, the only thing that she had to do is she would recognize the face of her caregivers on the, the um, video screen, which looks like a, um, an iPad. And she would, you know, she wouldn't, as I mentioned, always answer the phone, but when she saw the caregiver, that's all she needed, and you know the and caregiver comes up that on? and starts I mean, talking how, how to, she know her, to turn it on, asking her, uh, you know, where they position the cameras. They did one in the, the the bedroom and one where she sits in her sitting area, you know, because they would lay out her, um, you know, her meal, her lunch meal, and her medications, and she was able to talk and see how, um, you know, did she take her medications? Did she eat her snack? Um, is she there in her chair or, you know, is she on the floor? As one day she did slide to the floor and they sat there for a long time because she couldn't um, call anybody. So that was um, key, having that video technology. And she really didn't have to do anything. We set it up so that the caregivers, if they were out running an errand, could pull it up on their phone and, and call. But it was the, the recognition of their caregiver that, prompted her to, you know, look at the video screen. Um, and those and that's systems very are developed and, by... And, and effective. Um, you know, the caregivers were running back and forth, you know, five and six times a day. So that saved them a tremendous amount of time and, and energy. And ultimately, you know, if you have formal care and you have to put formal care in because you can't run five or six times a day, money. So I know that another component of the planning, Susan, deals with a, a video technology that is on a tablet, and that's part of the care planning that, that you work with. Tell us a little bit about that program. Um, so one of the um, – there are a variety of technologies, and we've talked about the telemedicine. We've talked about video conferencing. Uh, part of also what we try to integrate is – um, a technology called e-caring, um, and what that enables, maybe a distance caregiver or a caregiver, and when I say caregiver, I mean a family member, um, maybe just down the block or the next town over, is to see in real time and get real-time alerts regarding the care, and is the care being done, and what relies on is the hired care providers in the home when they do a task for the individual. It's an icon-based system. It comes in seven languages, um, and it's intuitive. So you don't really need to know, oh, do I know the proper term for ambulation or walking? It shows a image of a person walking. It's all icon-based, and 
that technology um, in working with them is beginning to advance even more to make it more accessible, um, ability to communicate with the caregivers. And like you've stated, Lou, that t this technology trend is something that's not going to go away. It's just going to continue to grow, and we're going to be able to adapt so that we can develop it and include it in our plan to age in place because many of our clients say, and you've shared this with me as well, I'm going out feet first. Um, and I mean no derogatory comment that way. It's many of my clients say feet first. And I'm like, okay, let's plan for that. And that's where we integrate that technology. Um, is one technology the solution for everyone? No. But we can look at that individual situation and see what's going to be the best solution integrating the care management and those available technologies. Now, the family doesn't have to do all of the monitoring, right? You you are also able no. to see what's going on in the right. program, and, and that's valuable and that, because you can monitor and also call for that telemedicine intervention. Exactly. So I can see, like Nora said with her client, with the blood pressure. If we need to, I can call in that telemedicine, get that ER-level physician, and figure out if this is an urgent need, do we need to go to the ER, or is it just that that doctor can call in a script or we just need to adjust something in her care plan? So, so there are solutions, Susan, and we'll do it. Susan Vale, Nora Barato, thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise with us this morning. One more time, how can people reach you? 1-844-633-3852 or www.everhomecare.com. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us again on Life Happens. We hope that you enjoyed today's show. Certainly, it's timely, topical, and state-of-the-art information with state-of-the-art technology. So we hope you can join us again next week and every week at 11 a.m. on Talk Radio WGY. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.